This album's celebrating an anniversary. Kia ora, Sam. Kia ora, Geneva. Hello, hello. hello. Welcome to the last, last anniversary one. I know. Album. After like five years, two hundred odd albums, I reckon. Two hundred, oh, eh? Something like that. Yeah. It is, it's always so much fun. I never know that how many you've done. Yeah. But it's about that much. I think it's about that. And they're yeah. all diligently podcasted, so if you ever need to yeah. revisit. They're there. There's a whole archive for you to go back and look at. Absolutely. So, for the last, the last one, one. Yes. Uh, we're going to look at Public Enemy's uh, fourth studio album today. It's called Apocalypse 91, The Enemy Strikes Back, which is a play on the Apocalypse Now and Empire Strikes Back albums. So why Public Enemy? I just thought it would be a good album to just go out with a bang, you know? Yeah. Something ferocious in your face kind of kind of thing. Well, it absolutely is that. Yeah. Um, so just firstly, just look a bit about where they were at in their careers around the time this record came out. So obviously they'd been very successful the previous few years. They were one of the leading uh, groups of hip-hop in New York uh, with this politically charged kind of uh, hip-hop. They'd released three big albums in a row, which are all, like, pretty much classics, including It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, Fear of the Black Planet as well. Um, they'd also gotten their fair share of controversy because of their music and lyrical content, um, including allegations of anti-Semitism, which were directed at uh, Professor Griff, and, and that actually led him to leave the group as a result before this, this album came out. Um, so with the success came a lot of strong media backlash as well, remembering uh, hip-hop at the time was not fully mainstream and got a lot of negative press and attention, particularly in the United States. Um, so if punk died in 88, did rap music take over? It's a good question, actually. I, I guess Let you could say that. Start your thesis now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they didn't, they didn't really uh, kind of rest on their laurels. They, um, between touring and stuff, they went straight back into the studio and recorded this album, which was their fourth album in five years. So they were kind of prolific, constantly recording stuff. Um, and working with the Bomb Squad again and the Imperial Grand Ministers of Funk, they uh, decided to go down a slightly new direction on this record. This was kind of partly forced on them, though, because a lot of the tapes they had which had new material on them had been stolen hmm. and they couldn't get them back. So a lot of the recording that had been done was kind of just instantly gone. So they kind of had to sort of start from scratch again and um, this was kind of slightly rushed as a result. But the production on here, it's still so, so good. It's not as dense, I guess, as it had been. There's def definitely less samples on here. Um, they brought in more live instrumentation and instruments and that kind of thing. But uh, it's still politically charged. Uh, lyrically, they're still discussing big you know, political and socioeconomic issues, the African-American struggle, uh, racism and mm. that kind of thing. And um, it's still fitted into the context of the early 90s when obviously um, it was a politically charged time for African-Americans in, in the States for sure. Uh, so I thought... For our opening track, we'd play Lost at Birth, which is also the opening track on the record. Uh, it's a very kind of energetic, in-your-face kind of opening. Um, sets the tone for the album. You've got these blaring sirens throughout it. It's um, a very crisp drum beat. Uh, it also actually samples three Public Enemy songs, uh, Rebel Without a Pause and Bring the Noise, the original Bring the Noise version. Uh, which is quite interesting and a good way to get around sample kind of problem, legal problems, of course, when sampling uh, at that time was beginning to get quite a legal complex issue and people were getting very sued. Very creative. Yeah, very creative. Use your own music to avoid all that. Yeah, fantastic. Here we go. The future holds nothing else but confrontation.
clocked over to the next song because it was on a roll um but yes yeah, so for those of you who have just tuned in this is anniversary albums with mm, sam smith mm-hmm. the last the last very one yes the last of the last after five years yeah exactly um and uh, yeah we're, we're looking at public enemy yeah we're looking at apocalypse 91 the enemy strikes back yes at, um it is explicit very, so apologies if you've got kids maybe just take them out of the room or but they are you <laughs> know they, they are school. commenting nah. on the black experience exactly Yep. And there is a lot to be mad and, about. And it's a good question, good point you raised because the next song is very much related to racism and the black experience. It's called By the Time I Get to Arizona. And this is a protest song uh, written uh, when at the time uh, the state of Arizona, um, whose governor cancelled Martin Luther King Jr. Day in the state. Weird. Mm. And, and what a like, strange one because Juneteenth is on it, just yeah, been exactly, recognised yeah, as a public yeah. holiday. Um, yeah, he, he cancelled it and then the people... Uh, with dicks as well, they voted against reinstating it. <laughs> so uh, Chuck D was like, fuck you all, and he wrote a response. Uh, and it also came with a very controversial music video that included black paramilitaries assassinating Arizona politicians. Wow. Uh, and when they performed the song live on the tour, they also had an effigy of a Klansman being hung. So again, <laughs> this next song is explicit. <laughs> Sorry about it, everyone. <laughs> Martin Luther King's 
birthday. Public enemy believes that the powers that be in the states of New Hampshire and Arizona have found psychological discomfort in paying tribute to a black man who tried to teach white people the meaning of civilization. Good luck, brothers. Show them what you got. Here I'm hanging high. I'm blowing up the 90s. 
started ticking in 86. When the blind get a mind, better start fearing while we singing now. There will be the day we know who's down and who will go, 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 go. By the time I get to Arizona. Would have had to physically make the reverb. Mm. Um, how uh, can that you was a good, that was a good one, like a nice blend of um, table saw and guitar solo <laughs> on that one. A bit more melodic than the, than the first one, yeah, but yeah. really powerful. I remember that song pretty well. Mm. Should we talk about how this album was received then? Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, was it received? It was actually uh, very critically and very commercially. It reached number four in the States, which was their Ooh. highest charting album wow. to that point, and uh, number five in New Zealand, selling over a million copies worldwide. Rolling Stone magazine praised its production and lyrics, cool. uh, stating that it attempts nothing short of setting a sociopolitical agenda for the black community. Ooh. Enemy credited the album for being more soulful and funkier than its predecessors. Uh, and Louder Than a Bomb, P are still the best band in America, and they've once again made the best album of the year. So, mm. uh, yeah, all the critics were, like, in on it. Uh, it featured in many publications, albums of the year list, including seven in Spin Magazine, two in Village Voice. And, uh, yeah, its legacy has just grown with time. Um, it still kind of gets overshadowed by the previous two Public Enemy albums, but... It's still it's still considered one of their best albums, and I guess part of that trilogy or f- four albums, I guess they did uh, right at the start of their career. Um, All Music's even called it one of the great albums of the golden age of hip hop, mm. and uh, yeah, now thirty years later, they're still touring, making music. They're all well, most of them, I guess, were all in their early sixties, so it's it's quite quite significant that uh, they're still around. Well, Flavor Flav had his, um, you know, reality yeah, TV. Yeah, he did. He love, did. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. Which was um, quite <laughs> the <laughs> amazing show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Still and innovating, just still, in different still areas. Still innovating. In yep. love. And mm-hmm. um, Chuck D's still out. You can see him in the media all the time talking about mm-hmm. issues and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they're still a draw crowd. Whenever they play, uh, they always draw a crowd for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just a great, great band. And, yeah, this is just a great album. So I thought for the final track we would play the re-recorded version of Bring the Noise, mm-hmm. uh, which came out originally uh, on the f- second record. Uh, this album is the version with Anthrax. The punk band. The Yeah, or I guess punk metal. Yeah. That. How, how did that come uh, into well, fruition? I think, I think the story goes that they were covering it on their set list on their tour, and Aww. they were like, oh, we should hook up and... Anthrax were already... It. Yeah, they were. They Wild. were playing their own version. <laughs> and also remember that um, a lot of metal bands were like collaborating with hip-hop artists back then, like Slayer were doing stuff. They saw eye-to-eye on um, a lot of things. Aerosmith, obviously. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, Rick Rubin obviously uh, came from a kind of hard rock metal background, and he was quite influential in that. Hmm. So, yeah, I think that's how it probably came about. And, uh, yeah, they decided to get together and record a kind of more heavier metal-infused version of the song... Which, yeah, it just goes hard, this, this vision, I reckon. Peace be among worlds. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's, not, it's not like when a lot of the rock crowd were like, hated hip-hop and we didn't, didn't want to borrow it, you know, and yeah. lots of radio stations didn't want to play it. Um, I think a lot of the rock musicians didn't see it that way at all. No, yeah. and they had been treated the same as well. Exactly. I guess. Well, anyway, uh, thank you very much, Sam, for all your yeah. hard years' work. Pleasure, man. The most, Absolute yeah, pleasure. The most uh, well-put-together of the, of the show. 
I, I might have. About that. <laughs> I'm, I'm the wild card, and you're the one that's got your shit together. <laughs> I think, and from that, we kind of created uh, something which kind yes. of worked. <laughs> the yeah, chaos absolutely. and the, the, the order. Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you very much. A pleasure. And thank you for tuning in, listeners. Yes, thank you very much to the listeners. Here's Bring the Noise by Public Enemy. Oh my god, it's amazing. What a brother know once again back is the incredible rhyme animal, the uncannibal D. Public enemy number one, five folks and trees. And I got young, can I tell them that I really never had a gun? But it's the wax that determined they didn't run. Got it, got me in a cell, put my records they sell. Cause a brother like me said, well, now I'm coming popping and I think you all of us are too. What it can say to you, what you ought to do is follow for now. How are the people say, make a miracle, D. I'm the lyrical, black is back all in, we're gonna win, check it out. Yeah, y'all, come on. Here we go again. So dope, listen for lessons, I'm saying it's our music that the critics are blasting me for. They'll never camp on the brothers and sisters, why cause the country has us up for the war. We got to get them straight, come on now, they're gonna have to wait. Till we get it right. Radio stations are questioning blackness, they call us a black, but we'll see them the latest. Turn it up! Bring the noise!
happy anniversary to that album. Happy anniversary.